Thanks for listening to the Subtext Podcast. We are a Leeds-based record label. We really hope you can get involved with our Patreon, which is only £3 a month, and will help support the label and the artists on it and allow us to keep doing this podcast. But the best thing you can do is just tell other people. Tell other people about the music we're releasing, tell other people about the record label, and tell other people about the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. So welcome to the first ever uh, Subtext podcast. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, uh, I am joined by my Subtext uh, co-directors, which is, <laughs> I think, quite a flashy tales uh, to say we're sat in a basement with microphones covered in socks. Uh, so I'm joined by Eli. Hello. And Seth. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, as you can hear, I'm like, although we're a Leeds-based uh, record label, uh, I am literally the only person from Leeds. <laughs> Or even from the United Kingdom. <laughs> from the United Kingdom. Um, this is going to be, this is like the bit, you know, when you sort of start working with people and you go, let's go around the room and introduce ourselves and yep. you can just kind of feel, feel people die inside a bit. But, you know, we want people to keep listening and we want people to know who the, who the, who the hell are we? Just <laughs> the name of old song. Um, uh, we want them to know who we are. So I think we do need to kind of go around and sort of say a little bit about ourselves and introduce ourselves. So I'm going to point over. Uh, who who wants to start? Who wants to start? I feel like Seth has a little bit more experience with podcasts, so I'd kind of like to go after him. Yeah, I have approximately <laughs> 20 minutes more experience. That's so good. That's, that's that, that counts works for a lot. For me. I mean, that's, you know, it's 20 minutes. I was about to say more than most people, though, that, that, you know, as we were saying, it feels like everyone's like waking up going, you're not today. I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get on to why we're doing it in a bit. Sorry. So, hello. I'm Seth Moshewitz. I'm not going to remain anonymous. That's my full name. Um, I am going to, we're all going to swear. Let's just establish that straight away. So, you yeah. know, if it, if that puts anyone off, this is not for you. Um, so yeah, I'm Seth. Uh, I'm uh, kind of an international mutt. Uh, got a, I've got four nationalities. I was born in Canada. And kind of grew up in New York, the Netherlands, and eventually ended up in London and then Leeds. So, been around. Um, I am the benevolent dictator and founder of what I now call a musical collective called Fold. Um, it sound, that sounds a little bit pretentious, but the facts <laughs> do bear it out. It's, uh, it's, mainly, it's mainly four of us, sometimes there's eight of us, and then we use an awful lot of different voices and perspectives of all kinds in our music. Uh, I'm also a father of two neurodivergent children. I am undiagnosed autistic myself, and other other such interesting facts. I'll pass <laughs> it on now. That's uh, that's very good. So, I mean, I think you slightly insult yourself, Seth, because you are also like an incredible producer and, oh, and beat maker, and so you produce. Uh, so you produce, obviously, produce and write for, but you also produce Kamala MC, who's on our label, Subtext. That's subtext. We're going to keep mentioning that. You probably should also know that because you're listening to this podcast, but, you know, what the hell. Um, yeah, so, you know. Thanks, I'm, man. I'm just going to add, I'm going to add some value to you because, you know, you're very valuable. Oh, thanks, man. Oh, yeah, my brain does do this. I kind of get compartmentalized. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, when I get to me, I'm going to really oversell myself. So that's, <laughs> that's what I plan to do. I'll pull you back in. Just, thanks, man. Yeah. Eli. Hey, uh, I'm Eli Nash. We'll, we'll go with the full names. Yeah, why not? Um, I'm from Canada. I uh, came to the UK for drama school when I was 18 and hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think drama school is great for people that know who they are, but I was just too much of a fucking people pleaser. Right. So I kind of stretched myself way too thin. And then I found the music industry and I was like, Oh hey, everyone's different here. We're not. We don't all have to dress in black and never dye our hair. And it must have been bad if you felt the music yeah. industry was a better I option. Know, right? I know. That's quite terrible. <laughs> I'm coming down from the high now. Don't worry. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so I've I've loved being in music ever since I graduated drama school. Uh, and oh, I'm also neurodivergent. I mean, we've got we've got a cool kind of cohort of neurodivergence here. Um, I'm recently diagnosed ADHD, which is a really fun thing to come to terms with. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to go on meds because I've heard that as soon as you do, your brain is like empty Whoa. and you can actually think one thought at a time. <laughs> 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 I, I don't think that the 10 people living in my head are going to like that. 
<laughs> so my mom is calling me right now. Oh, so that's gonna... so cute. Call anyway, your mom back. No. She'll just have lost something. Um, I'm sure she's probably fine. We but should... yeah, I'm oh. a, I'm also Oakley Riot. On um, I'm a singer songwriter, so I, I work under the alias Oakley Riot, um, and that is where I put all of my anger out into the world in those tracks, which is how I can be the beacon of positivity that you see before you today. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is like, because you're Canadian, like, even if you are in the shittest mood and, you know, knowing you as I do, there are times when you are, um, uh, you'll never know because you just have that sheen of like Canadianism. Is that, is that, I mean, is that an awful bit of stereotyping? Oh no. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but if we, uh, don't apologize enough in a day, Justin Trudeau comes to our house and revokes our citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. It's, it's like in the rules, you know, yeah. you've got the 10 commandments and then you've got the a declaration of independence and then you've got the rules of canadians okay good and and trudeau will come to your he'll house just be like yeah but he will apologize beautiful hair oh he'll apologize while he does it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really sorry about this but you're you've got to get out yeah otherwise the king will revoke his citizenship it's 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 right. a whole it's a whole train <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and ed oh yeah so yeah. i'm ed heaton uh, to use my full name, although not my full name. My mum doesn't like Ed. My mum likes Edward, and she doesn't like any shortening of Ed, uh, which is why would you call your child Edward then? <laughs> Just don't get it. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a music producer um, and mix engineer, and I've been... <laughs> oh my God, out. your mom is I'm calling like, I heard that. I'm actually going to have to answer this. <laughs> this is adorable. Oh, God. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Okay. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah, we're good. I'm just right in the middle of something, Mom, so I'm, I'm going to have to call you back. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye, Edward. Welcome back, Edward. Uh, thank you very much. That was my mum. Um, I don't know whether or not that'll make the final edit, but you know, I hope it does. I feel like some of it should. Um, yeah, so, so I'm a, a, I'm a music producer, a mix engineer, and songwriter. Um, uh, I run a small publishing company called uh, Foreign North. Uh, we represent kind of uh, compositions for lots of different artists, uh, which is loads of fun. Um, I do sound design for theatre and I lecture at uh, Leeds College Music. Music. Um, I lecture music industry uh, in kind of quite a few different ways, uh, which I really, uh, really enjoy actually. And really sort of, um, you know, and particularly actually this year, I've sort of really found my sort of rediscovered my love for it. And I've had a, two really great classes who've really sort of engaged. So that's been lovely. Um, yeah. So that's me really. Um, so. Yeah, and then we've all sort of known each other individually for a bit. Like, so Seth and me, we're like, we go way back. We go way back. We go way back. Something like... The 10 years, 11 years? Yeah. Yeah. 20, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, let's say 10. Yeah, let's do that. And we, so uh, we worked on a record together called Be What My Friend, which is one of Fault's records. Yes, yeah, well, you engineered the, the, almost all of the first album. Yeah, which was joyous and like was you know like amazing because you guys, despite being kind of really, really sample heavy, don't record to a click track. Okay. Which is insanity. That is nuts. <laughs> that's just nuts. Yeah, like I know. Let's make music that's really like really requires like a lot kind of distinct tempo. Let's not put a click track in there. That's right. Yeah. And we don't use one live either. No. And, and the annoying thing is no one realizes that we don't. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you want a bigger pat on the back, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's fly by the seat of your pants. It's much more fun that way. Is it? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's intensely anxiety inducing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that makes you feel awesome afterwards when you haven't messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's true. Very true. And uh and so we met and have sort of remained friends and sort of and sort of lost touch, got back in touch, but sort of post-pandemic, really, you sort of kind of reached out and said, "Hey, man, 
Yeah, we all got a little bit in our own heads in that pandemic yeah. there, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I was I was totally <laughs> yeah, fine. I was I, great. I was the, the beacon of mental health. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot how to hang out with people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still learning. I don't know yeah. about you guys. I'm still, I think it's something I'm still finding, like, I'm still kind of, oh, uh, yeah, this is how you do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 100%. But we did. We hung out. I mean, listened to music. And then things kind of escalated from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, like that you came over that I came over to yeah. yours and you were like, you want to make some beats? I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then we started making beats and that was good fun. And then Eli, me and you met at a songwriting camp. Yeah, we did. Um, in Wakefield. In Wakefield. <laughs> um, hotel in Wakefield, which sounds a lot more... A bit shadier than it should do, really. It does. I did have a moment when when I was going to the songwriting camp because I'd never been to Wakefield. Yeah. And we all like piled into this van to go to the hotel. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I didn't actually do any research on whether or not (laughs) this was because it was right after the pandemic. So I was like, I need to get out of the house for a few days and like do something creative. And then when we were on this really weird long drive going like through the forest getting further away from town yeah i remember looking around and being like i don't i don't know if this is i don't even know if the hotel exists i never did any background research this could be the end for me yeah. <laughs> but instead i met you and it was, instead, and, and it was um, <laughs> emotionally speaking yeah, yeah. uh yeah so we and we wrote some songs together and kind of just got on really well and yeah yeah and then i went into my master's program and you got assigned as my mentor yeah i did in the master's program terrible for you i'm really sorry it was great i mean we had like a one our our mentors in my master's were supposed to meet with us once a month for an hour and i remember somebody asking me about it and i was like oh ed and i talk for like two and a half hours every week And it's kind of there we came up with the idea of kind of like the kind of, we sort of put together the idea for Oakley Riot and mm-hmm. that's sort of like what you wanted and we A&R'd that and which is kind of, which A&R's a bit weird because it always sounds really dark and like, you know, there's sort of a lot of stuff about kind of what A&Ring is, yeah. but we together kind of like built you and you brought sort of like, you made create a mood board and stuff like yeah. that and it was really cool and like created what, what you wanted Oakley Riot to be. Yeah, we kind of conceptualized it and yeah. then... um and then I'd sort of create the tracks and then yeah. send them over to you for like feedback and mixing and production and yeah. stuff. Um, it was such a cool time. Though. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. And then it was a realization of like, and me and you were making beats. And it was like, so this kind of leads us to sort of subtext. And I suppose, Seth, if you want to give a little bit of what we're about, how it came about, what, what the thinking behind was it? Well, I remember getting a text from you when I was in uh, hanging out in a van in Scotland for a week. Yeah. And uh, and you were just like, hey, you want to start a record label? And I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Uh, and then and then you were like, I, you're, you were very sheepish. And you're like, I got this. I've got this third person. I was thinking maybe we should have a third person because we're two old white guys. And we're yeah. a little bit, you know, yeah, we need Stuck some rep- others representation here. I was like, all right, yeah, I've never heard of this person, but uh, turned out to be fucking Eli. So I was yeah. Like, yeah, hells yeah. Um, that was a good call. From the motherland. We, from, yeah, from the motherland, place. yeah. <laughs> well, it was, but, yeah. yeah, it was like what brought us together, I guess, was um, a, a number of things, I think, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a musical affinity, uh, number one, you know, you and I, especially. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had this shared love of all things hip hop and, and beat making. And um, and then it was the uh, this kind of this need to address issues in the world that need addressing using music, whatever little platform we have to tackle things that need tackling, and we all we all have that in common, I think. Yeah. So we came up with this idea of a of a label for artists who have that kind of ethos, uh, and we eventually came up with the name Subtext. Yeah. And the uh, the without the E because it's artsy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, because you know that looks off. Fuck vowels. (laughs) (laughs) We're a tool of oppression. We're too good for for vowels. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, 
And then we came up with our little, our little, well, it was, I think you came up with it, Ed. Our dig deep, shout loud. Yeah. Dig deep, shout loud, yeah. That's, that's a, a very apt summary. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And Eli, sort of for you, like getting involved, like, because obviously, you know, you were pretty new to the music industry. What was your sort of, like, oh, I'll get, because um, well, bearing in mind you were living in London as well at the I time. I was, yeah. So it was all quite serendipitous, really. It was, it was, it was really, um, yeah, I think serendipitous is the right word for it. Um, because it was, I really wanted to learn from both of you, like when I first met, when I, for, when I first met you, Ed, obviously, and then when I met you, Seth, like, you guys had this sort of wealth of knowledge and experience, um, cause you're old. Yeah, no. basically. Yeah, 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 you're basically, not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh my God. I'm, that, that, I'm going to feel bad about that comment for weeks now. <laughs> it's going to keep awesome. me up at night. You're so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did, when you guys would, um, talk about, I remember in our first couple of conversations, you guys would be talking about things kind of bouncing back and forth and I'd be doing the, the nod and mm, of course. Yeah, no, for sure. That 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 hip hop band definitely yeah, yeah <laughs> um, but I've learned so much from it and I think yeah we do have a a, a shared ethos between us yeah. um, all of us feel very we feel very passionate about a lot of things that are going on in the world and the way that society is set up I think we're also kind of collectively pissed off about a lot of that stuff yeah. Um, and so it was great because every time we'd meet up to talk about music, we'd also have this really cathartic, like each of us would be ranting at some point and the others would feel the same way about it. And it was, it was like a little support group plus music. Yeah. 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 We're all, um, the way, the way that I like to frame this is that, you know, we're all as people trying to figure out what the hell is actually going on in the world. Cause you know, your, our formal education systems don't give us enough information to form a truly coherent picture yeah know? yeah you just get little little bits and we're all just left to sort of cobble it together from our own experience and and so we each join dots in our own way and we yeah. each kind of we gradually superimpose our own little map with others you know so the three of ours happened to uh to align quite yeah quite well and yeah and then we ended up getting to work with artists like it was such a cool it was such a cool concept to me that we would get to work with artists that feel the same way that we do even if they're not in the room with us every week meeting and talking about this stuff their music is saying the same thing that we're talking about on some level and so it was just it was a really cool feeling to kind of get to be a part of that from concept to like actualization yeah and i think like I mean, because it became, I don't, less so now actually, which is actually really positive, but like there was quite a long time when, you know, using the word political, uh. like was re was really dirty. It was a really dirty word, political music. It was like, no, don't do that anymore. Um, and I, I, and I think that was something that we all felt we wanted to do is we wanted to, you know, be part of something that, that was, that was yeah that was overtly political that yeah. was you know we we wanted to be able to say some stuff and rather than it just be like oh you know we're just gonna we want to put our music that's entertaining and ultimately music is entertainment we want music to kind of resonate and touch and we don't but we we don't want it to feel like it's just you know there's so much good music out there that's gonna kind of emotionally fill you up and do that stuff which you need that kind of pastoral stuff and that kind of like soft stuff and that beautiful stuff and you know that is needed that i'm not in it and i think actually sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna segue it's yeah. one of the big things for me is like and i said this to you seth was when we were setting when we kind of came up with this idea was that i'm really keen that we aren't anti i think anti is an easy is an easy stance i think it's one of those like we're going to put ourselves in binary opposition to anything and uh and i, I find that quite uh, reductive as a kind of as a as an idea. I think it's really easy to kind of go. We are not them, um, and you know, in the same way that kind of like punk went. We're we're not disco, and you know, like uh, which is obviously ironic because you know Blondie were actually an excellent disco band as well as an excellent punk band. Um, but you know, like I think that's that kind of and that idea of things being binary. You know, like just that that polar opposite which is where we're at i think with with so many conversations Absolutely. Right and i think that's that we wanted to kind of and and i think my thing is that like for us to kind of exist it doesn't mean that we don't 
see value in music that's just really good fun and to, you just want to dance your ass off to oh it or God, yeah. you want to cry to it or love songs you want to like hold hands to that they are all as equally as important and i listen to all of those you know it, right now we're recording this at christmas i am just listening to christmas music right now that's yeah. all i'm doing you know like literally sat in the front room yesterday with my kids and we listened to all the kind of classics you know there's no like we've been left field it's like no no, no. Right, Gary went on, you know, like, you know, like, each you know, to their own, Ed. yeah, man. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be cool, I'm old. <laughs> I think that music has that place, though, you know, and when you say it's all equally important, I think that sometimes escaping from the reality that we're in right now in order to have a good day or to thrive, like, under difficult circumstances yeah. is its own form of protest, you know, like, that's it, it is just as important because. You could be learning, you could be learning something from a track or from an article um, about the way that the world is, and and that's very important. But if you're so exhausted by the influx of uh, like the ongoing onslaught of information that we have going on all the time, you're you can't do anything. You can't be an ally. You can't you can't push yourself to go towards a cause because you're too exhausted. And that's where that restful art that replenishing art is so important yeah and i think that's the thing isn't it is the the kind of i think i think we're so like and i think particularly our generation seth like we grew up in that kind of uh music tribalism which i think was again really regressive i Mm. don't think it was necessarily very healthy um it was sort of and people talk about in this kind of really like some misty-eyed way that oh kids in my day we were all into this it's like yeah but like i remember like being really into like wu-tang clan but also secretly really loving kylie yeah (laughs) but not daring to say and now i'm like oh yeah kylie's amazing like i love kylie and i love taylor swift you know and you know like and and being comfortable with that and and actually that kind of conversation so as i work with students they are much more open to like oh yeah i'm listening to yeah I'm I'm listening to like whatever's in the top forty, and I'm also finding out this kind of obscure like noise metal band, you know. And they they will listen to ha- both happily. Yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, definitely not. Um, yeah, things have really changed in our lifetimes. Yeah, uh, you know that's for sure. I mean, like back to what we were saying pre nine eleven. I yeah. would say um, we kind of just in the West at least people had it just good enough where yeah there wasn't very much political music partly because people had it reasonably good and were able to kind of accept the mainstream narratives a little bit more i'm certainly not speaking for everybody a lot of people are having a hard time but there wasn't nearly as much resistance in the post 9-11 world there's much more cognitive dissonance with respect to if you if you just took the mainstream discourse at face value you would you would experience constant cognitive cognitive dissonance now absolutely and it's it's giving rise to a lot more voices or yeah. you know need to demand representation and uh yeah just there's a huge need for marginalized perspectives to be amplified i think 2016 felt like a real watershed moment like i remember oh so many tracks coming out after you know obviously with, with 2016 was kind of like the worst year you know like it was obviously brexit and trump arrived and you know it just felt like the voices of hate had, had arrived and won uh, but i also remember so much music coming out from that and like just this sort of voice of anger from from loads of different places i remember um uh there's a fantastic track by uh, called poem by uh she drew the gun and i just remember hearing that and crying like and then uh, a fantastic song called world, world war three by tarbo and tarbo based in um Huddersfield, so like um uh, and an amazing singer and, and just hearing those and like and that been like a rock call rallying call yeah like feeling like okay and then I worked on an album with a band called Narcs who uh, you, know, you remember Narcs and they were like you know they were like a post hardcore band and that album called Thinking a Thinking Animal and it was just I felt, it felt like such catharsis in working on the album because it was just a scream it was I always say it was like if Public Enemy had guitars white guys with guitars that's the album they would make. You know, it was really that kind of political and angry and, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, I do remember, like, the day that Trump was elected. I was in the UK, but I was in a drama program with Americans. 
who were over here for a few months. And we were all going to Stratford and we were sitting on the bus. And I remember getting onto the bus and it just being dead silent. <laughs> like, and they all had these, I think it was like 9.30 in the morning. They were all passing around bottles of vodka between them. Shit. Because this is a group of like, this is a group of um, genderqueer, g- uh, LGBTQ, um, like ethnic minorities, uh, uh, transgender people. These are all the people that were terrified of going home. Yeah. With these new, with this new person in charge. I hesitate to call him a person, but yeah. Um, but I remember that that we were listening to songs the whole way there, and people were just sobbing on the bus, and they were passing around these bottles of vodka, and somebody went to pass it to me, and someone from the back shouted, "She doesn't get any." They have Trudeau. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say sorry? Oh, yeah. Of course I did. (laughs) Fortunately, he turned out to be a piece of shit as well. Yeah, it's a whole thing, isn't it? But But they all are. Yeah. I think COVID woke everybody up to a lot of that stuff, too. That definitely uh, definitely changed things, too. Yeah. We were kind of, I think we had all kind of, aside from a few of us, we had all accepted that you know, this is the way that society is set up. This is the way that capitalism is set up. We're all, and this is just the way that it is. And then COVID happened and everything stopped. Yeah. And we were all kind of sitting in our houses going, is it possible to not have as much stress and grind and constant, like constantly working, constantly pouring ourselves into this for this kind of strange cycle where we get very little in return and struggle just to be able to struggle more and now i think everybody's having to consciously go back into it after covid rather than being born with born into it and brought up in it having to consciously go back to it i think everybody's feeling that we're questioning the system finally let's find a different way yeah yeah like i mean you know i think we we've talked about this amongst ourselves that kind of notion of like toxic productivity yes so like you know like this thing where if we're really fucking busy all the time and we never get rest that's really like that's something to be championed and celebrated and there is a whole like there's a i mean there's an entire podcast fear that is sort of that's that's sort of almost what it's championing that sort of like you know and i, I I don't want to sort of name names, but, you know, like there are well-known podcasts and it's all about this thing of getting up at 5 a.m. and like achieving before 8 a.m. And, and it's just like, but for what ends? And, and actually when you dig, when you once you peel off this sort of whole kind of self-improvement mask, it's all based on like, oh, so you can drive the nice car and you can have the nice house. And it's all still based around, ultimately based around capitalist values. Oh, yes. You know, like, and actually, there's, I think there's a book, I haven't read it, um, my friend Catherine recommended to me, a kind of like processed in rest. And like the idea that kind of being restful is actually a form of protest. Yep. Yes. The nap, yeah. The minister, is it the nap ministry? That's it, yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. It's true. Uh, it's true. Also, napping is fucking brilliant. Is oh, best. God, I love napping. I just got a weighted blanket. And it completely uh, changed my naps. It feels like a big hug. I've got one. Oh yeah. my god! It was really hard for me to get out of bed today. I mean, <laughs> just I mean, physically, right? You're just trapped. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's the best. As someone with anxiety, I'm like, I want to be safe and surrounded by things yeah. at all times. Is yours the kind that's got the little pads with with the, the little weights, beads weights sewed sewed into them? Oh yeah, is mine like just that? has a bunch of like little glass beads in each each part of it, which is also nice because I get the sensory of like playing with the beads. Oh nice. Mine, mine's just a big shitload of like. <laughs> you know woven material it's just really <laughs> fucking heavy it lays like 80 million kilos oh, <laughs> i love it yeah it's it's so hard to get out of bed though oh it's so hard i actually i accidentally like pulled it all up onto my uh, like when i was sleeping i'd kind of moved it around and so when i woke i actually my chest is sore <laughs> <laughs> That's really, I mean, and i can't wait to go back <laughs> Turning onto my side is like a military operation. Yeah, yeah. You have to like wake up and think about it. Like, how are we going to, okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> I also, I'm, I'm old enough now that I have to sleep with a knee cushion and an arm cushion. Uh, yeah. I can't, I, I can't lie midline without those. I need those. a knee cushion too. Once you've slept with a knee cushion, you, did, you can't no do it without. No. It's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, we like, you know, we're talking, we're trying to be anti-capitalist, but then I'm like, we 
probably the most expensive thing in our house is like the mattress we bought. Yeah. You know, oh man. But that shit, that's taking care of yourself, spending money. Oh yeah. And that is, that I like, uh, I was, I was also given some great advice when I turned 40 by my friend, uh, Dave and, uh, Dave's to his own, you know, his own admits is mental. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a man who got sacked for emailing himself when he worked for the Inland Revenue, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, um, uh, it, I mean, emails were new at this point, so people were just like, it's surely his code. Um, he just emailed his emailed his, uh, himself and his own name repeated, um, and they were like, this is code, and it's like, it's not. And then we were like, why would you email your name? Like, what kind of code uh, is yeah, your name yeah. over? Well, it was, but this is the, it was, it was like, this is like 2000 when people like email still weird right uh, okay and like <laughs> yeah anyway um but yeah his his advice to me when i turned 40 was like he said you know nice socks he said to me get nice socks man because like you know you uh he said we, we buy wear shit cheap socks and like we don't feel good and i was like all right, all right dave and then someone <laughs> gave me a pair of nice socks like really nice socks uh and maybe like as nice as the ones you as your nice as the ones on my mic. <laughs> yeah yeah um and i tell you what game changer and now no you don't want to be do not fuck with cheap sh- socks guys like, I, i'm gonna go order some like, some nice socks like, no, honestly you're talking about you know stuff that's sensorily good for you that that is good somehow people just buy me socks. I've not bought my own socks in fucking years. <laughs> wow. Maybe one one pair, maybe a cash, cashmere, like walking socks. I bought myself in in the past ten years. That's the only. Wh- who who are these people? And I have too many socks. So <laughs> I, I mean, if you like, want to get rid of them, we've got we've got like we we lose one sock, and I like to keep the single socks in a separate yeah. drawer so that they don't get lonely. <laughs> that drawer is probably now, it's, if it's like me, it's bigger than the, uh, the Exactly, the I've got collection. like 10 pairs yeah. of socks that have that are a pair. Yeah, and now add two children to the mix. Oh, and then, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now my son's foot size is exactly the same as mine. Oh, oh, so no. now yeah, the, you're fucked. Now the socks just meld. Yeah. And, oh, God. So, um, <laughs> I mean, top socks. Chat everyone. You know, uh, yeah, this, this is this, this is why we came here. This podcast <laughs> but actually, what I think actually what this demonstrates is like the this is the reason why like getting anything done at our label can take time because we'd have meetings and we'd schedule like two hours. I'm thinking that was plenty of time. It was nowhere near enough time. It was always <laughs> but, like the, the last half hour. Someone like, would oh, go. Shit, we get, oh, we have a lot to do. Yeah, we <laughs> so need to think, schedule things. If you're thinking about signing. To us as, yeah. as a label, yeah. Just, just be, be mindful. Of be that, mindful yeah? that there's going to be some, some lot of ch- a lot of socks chat before uh, you get to it. Um, so subtext uh, as a label sort of exists as a sort of uh, a form of uh, voice and digging deep and shouting loud and kind of a voice for artists who want to kind of shower the world a bit and yeah. sort of like and amplify kind of their annoyance and grievances very much kind of i think left-leaning would be one way to describe it I th- i'm always com- not that very comfortable with the kind of left-right it's, less, it's less about that really it's, yeah it's more about a three-dimensional perspective <laughs> yeah yeah and, an honest and open reflection of how of how things are yeah i think i think it's more yeah rather than left i think it's more that we have a, a belief in kind of the wider sense of community right that, yeah. that, that we that we all have a social responsibility for one another. Yeah, and it's important to represent a diverse range of perspectives. Yeah, and we've sort of tried to do that in the kind of people we've released and signed and the music we've, we've put out. Um, and it's something we're still active yeah. about. Like, it's something that we that gets brought up a lot when we talk about new music. We're talking about, like, we always want to bring in new voices. Yeah. We don't want to just not, we don't want to accidentally, by default, end up with one type of voice yeah it has to be an active and ongoing like journey yeah we should really challenge ourselves and go for some right wing oh god <laughs> trump, trump, trump supporting we should really you know i mean that, i know <laughs> i'm just gonna say that no <laughs> let's not do that um because Seth, I think you would actually probably just go around to that house and like, you know, commit acts of terrorism. <laughs> I know we signed you, but I'm now going to burn your house down. <laughs> it's a different, different kind of inclusivity. That's- yeah. So um, we sort of, I suppose, you know, we've kind of joked about the kind of like, haha, we're starting a podcast like everyone else. But like, I suppose the question is, 
why why do this you know we're saying we're saying oh you know we the inaction of a label you know the fact that we you know we spend a lot of time just supporting each other as individuals because we're friends and we become kind of closer friends because of the label but you know so why why have we arrived at podcast well um i think that part of it at least was that we spent a year in our uh when we when we started this label we spent a year doing everything by the book absolutely everything yeah. we knew the you know we had looked on social media and developed strategies we'd been looking at you know different licensing options everything we and we kind of ran ourselves dry like we ran ourselves into the ground a little bit energy wise mm-hmm. um because the three of us are very creative people and i think that the i think that the structure of of that business model just really wasn't working for us totally um, yeah we, we all have previous ind- a lot of previous industry experience yeah. and we know how labels work and and you know you, ed's a, a lecturer in fucking music industry yeah. shit so you know <laughs> so we know how we know how the music industry works yeah but we probably came into it at one of the worst possible times in, in history um just from the point of view of this this business model's kind of been around for a while now this you know uh, catering to the streaming yes. side of things yeah. right? very much as a kind of the, the, the core of the of the business model and it's just not working not not the way it was because yeah. things change a lot and continually and the landscape's always changing and it's changed to the extent that now it just it, it's not going to work for for small startup labels unless maybe you already have a foothold and yeah you know a, a certain size of audience yeah so trying to break smaller newer artists um who who actually have some shit to say <laughs> it's yeah. a tough sell so yeah we're we're having to now completely rethink our strategy and, yeah. Uh, yeah so you guys get to be there along the ride while we see if any of this works <laughs> yeah yeah i think you know i think I mean, I'm always really concerned not to kind of, because I'm uh, having lived, as of you, Seth, sort of through the physical days when, you know, we were releasing stuff physically and people sort of become quite dewy-eyed about those, the past days and how great it was for indie labels and how it wasn't. It was fucking rubbish. It was really <laughs> hard. It was like you'd spend so much money before you even put a record out. Like, you know, you know, even, you know doing something like this wouldn't, you just couldn't do it. You know, there was no means of of creating quality audio there was no means of you know of distribution there was no you know like there was no platforms then to sell it on that was necessarily an equal footing and you know and so you know i certainly we all know that they're kind of waiting towards major labels and they're sort of and how and i understand that because they they hold the biggest licenses and they have the big, biggest sway and some of them ha- are already shareholders in some of the major platforms but i'm also uh so yes, worst time, but also not worst. Time. It's kind of weird, right? It's a- oh yeah, worst time if you're following the existing model. Yeah, is what I mean. And, yeah, and, I mean the music. Also, the music press has had a really, really tough time. And you know, as as uh, as frustrating frustrating as it is to send out hundreds of emails and and get like one response, I do see it from their perspective. Also, I mean, they just they they've never really gotten paid very much and they're they're getting laid off left and right bandcamp have lost staff now spotify is sacking loads of people and it's um well sorry spotify aren't exactly music press but you know yeah play- playlist curators uh but yeah the music press it's, it's almost impossible to make a living as a, as a music journalist now unless you have one of the very few well-paid jobs but i'm also kind of gonna again i'm still gonna be the one of those voices of like i think also uh, and this might be quite quite controversial, but I also think there was unfortunately kind of definitely a point when the, the music, I remember the kind of music journalist paper, you know, those big papers like the enemy and Q and all those, they would hold, they held all the power and they were, and they were lazy with it. There was times when, and they were monoculture, very much monoculture about it. You know, like, you know, it was Absolutely. always guitar bands and, you know, hip hop was, hip hop was treated as this sort of like weird kind of like, you know, it you know, borderline racist, to be honest. Yep. Um, not even borderline. It was racist. There was racist. You know, it was clear that they saw that music, kind of music, as that wasn't white indie as kind of less than dance music was treated as this anomaly, and you know, like yeah. And uh, there's there was definitely a point when 
you know, and, and you heard about some of the some of the magazines that shut down. I'm not saying all because there was some brilliant fanzines, and there was you know, and Leeds had some brilliant fanzines that were really important to the development of the scene. But um, but I'm also aware that that culture changes and adapts and and, and and modifies, and we've seen some brilliant you know people who've moved with that and changed with that and and tried to find new voices and 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 I think podcasting has definitely become one of those forms of like music journalism has developed into podcasting, arguably. Yeah, it would it would seem like a lot fewer people are consuming music through any kind of written format. Yeah, yeah compared to how much they were. I mean, when we started full, it was. I mean, we're talking back like 2012. There was a this whole explosion of of small music blogs and you know hype machine and and that was um there were a lot of people you could send your music to and if you got written up by one or one or two or three of them it, it got noticed you know yeah. you actually did that you could translate you know sending some stuff getting some plays and, and actually making a tiny bit of money off of it whereas now even that even getting onto a small blog yeah. is nigh on impossible they're just inundated you know they probably get like 1200 emails a day so it's true i mean with with the accessibility which is definitely something that you know i don't take for granted the fact that you can you can release a song on your own in your bedroom without having to go and pay for a studio um and pay for a producer and all that kind of stuff i, I think it's incredible that people have that kind of access but on the flip side of that everything is so saturated yep yeah we it, all have the access on every level of the music industry and every single level is saturated. Yep. So each like the music each music blog is probably getting fewer and fewer readers and more and more emails yep. from from groups, music artists. But this is the, but the problem is that is is kind of and I'm, again I'm sort of been sort of devil's advocate a little bit but like um because why not? Um <laughs> but there's an argument as well is that you know we as creators we wanted free access right we we wanted to remove the gatekeepers yeah. we were like boog you know and, and, there's, and there was a lot of problematic gatekeepers there was you know like say there's kind of you know genre gatekeepers there was certainly racial gatekeepers there was you know uh gendered gatekeepers and and you know that's just the critical ones and then there's you know the kind of the monetary side and all that yeah. stuff so we all wanted free access to market which we kind of all have now, you know, hundred. But the problem is now there's hundred thousand tracks a day being uploaded exactly. to Spotify, and and so Spotify's response has been, well, if you get hundred thousand plays, we're not going to pay you. And there's a sort of like, obviously, some people are outraged by that. I don't. I I'm a bit on the fence. I'm yeah, a bit. Like, I'm on the fence with that. Yeah, one. yeah. I, I don't know. Me too. I also think because if you have under a thousand plays, it's it's going to make very little monetary difference yeah. to you. And and there's there's a kind of argument for hobbyists and you know kind of i don't know i it's i i think again it's this binary thing is it good is it bad you know do we need to discuss things in this boo yay and it's like yeah it's it's so much more complicated than that there's so many pluses and minuses right we and yeah well we want we want the we didn't want the gatekeepers to disappear i mean those of us who, who thought very carefully about it you want to democratize the gatekeepers yes yeah. and, that's yeah. a good way that's, of putting it and there was i think that was what I was referring to when we started Fold. It really did actually feel like that for for a brief period of time. But what happens is the market catches on, the industry catches on, and they figure out, you know, again how to how to sort of coagulate and and consolidate power, yeah, and access. And, uh, yeah. and here we are again. So what do we do? So this is one of the things that we can do. So I I think our big thing was like so. Uh, me and Seth are sort of in our forties, so quite old. But uh, Eli, you're in your twenties. Yeah, I'm so twenty-five. Twenty-five. Uh, so you make us feel young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, and like, so there's an argument. You're a social media native, as they call it. But we, as a label, really struggled with social media. Yeah, I think that's an understatement. But we really struggle with it, right? We, yeah, uh, we as was, neurodivergent people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was very difficult. I think. Um, with social media, one of the things that I've always struggled with, and I, I agree, I think that neurodivergence has something to do with it as well, because social media, it's kind of like when you go on a job interview and you want to put your best foot forward. Social media is like that all the time, every day. Yeah. And there's a couple people that have broken that mold, and that's amazing. Yeah. But it's still curated to some level. Um, and so I think I felt like it was a really... I felt like when, when, when we were doing it, when I was, because I was running the account for a while, when I was putting out those pictures and, and the captions and stuff, it just felt like a really reductive way to 
disseminate information to the people that we wanted to talk to because we all have these really strong opinions and values and all of us believe in the multiple shades of gray and discussing all of these different things and then it would come out with a two sentence and four hashtag like post that very few people would see and I just felt it felt like I was on it like we were on a hamster wheel a little bit with the social media 100% yeah and also the sort of like on top of that the PR stuff as well kind of like the kind of just generally sort of feeling like we were you know you're saying about the blogs and the kind of all that kind of stuff there's that kind of like as a label we're trying to increase the you know the visibility of our eyes and it felt like I don't know there was definitely points when I felt we were really failing at that you know and and that's really difficult it is it doesn't it doesn't stack up because we know the quality of the music is at a certain level and yeah. unquestionably we know that because we've been around long enough to to, yeah. to be honest with ourselves and we've you know we've sort of validated it to some extent with other people and and it's getting played on, you know, we're getting, you know, it's not like we're not, you know, stuff that's getting played on Six Music and it's getting, you know, it's and getting... Like Amazing Radio. Amazing Radio, and... like, really, like, hammered it. And, you know, like, we're getting, you know, like, the media are getting behind it. Where, you know, so we don't want to act like we're kind of like, oh, poor us. You know, yeah. loved us. Like, we got some love. But, I, but, yeah, but a... social media was the one that everyone says, oh, that's where you need to be yeah. active. That's where you need to really be developing your, your audience. It just felt so disconnected to what our purpose was and yeah. why we'd set up the label. Yeah. And they say authenticity does well, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, which, yeah. is, which is all well and good. That's, that's great. And yeah, it, it's, you should be authentic. It makes, it makes perfect sense. But if you're being truly authentic... You know, you you could on on any given day. If you're having a shit day and you show up and you go, all right, hi, um, uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. how you really feel. Like, and you just, I really can't be fucking bothered to be here, um, but I need to post something. Yeah, yeah. This, is, yeah. this is my authentic post. I feel like shit. Nobody's going to do that. So, yeah. So you have to, even though you're thinking, you oh, I need to be authentic. You're, you're still going to put on some kind of face, and you know, it's not how much of it is really truly authentic. Exactly. How, how much energy do we have to be to be up? authentic but up all the time yeah yeah because if you're if you're authentic you have to be actively like if you're if you're feeling down or deflated you have to be actively deflated to put that on social media yeah and that's a really confusing juxtaposition because you're like okay so i don't want to get out of bed today i'm in a depressive episode um you know but also in the back of my head uh, because we had done a lot of classes in my master's about social media so I actually remember sitting in my house with a blanket like on eating popcorn and thinking I I don't want to do anything I don't want to exist but I should probably post on Instagram about this (laughs) because it's like you know from a marketing perspective it's important that people know (laughs) and then so yeah then it comes back to why the fuck are we doing this you know like you know and there are some people who are brilliant at social media they're just brilliant at it and and, you know they're wonderful and they've got a natural and you know and all fucking power props to them yeah absolutely but that just for like that doesn't like you say that kind of like we want to talk about, you know, you, you know, Fold want to talk, uh, uh, deconstruct the kind of like political landscape. They want to talk about kind of the role of community within within uh, the wider society, and you know, but we're going so we're going to do that in a in a in a ten second post. We like say with yeah. so we have it's like that just doesn't and I I mean as someone who isn't a social like a a a, a digital native, um, as someone who kind of grew up, I've never really been very comfortable with social media, and I've I've always struggled with it as a thing. Um, I've always, even when I post stuff that I'm, you know, like the stuff that's good, feels like I'm bragging. It feels like like yeah, and I feel like I'm rubbing like going, ah, look, I'm great, and I'm doing all this stuff, and it's like that makes because because I know people are going to see that and feel like shit because I've been in a position where I've looked at other people who I really love and like and they're doing great stuff and I'm like, palm is going, fuck, I'm not doing that. I know. Right. It started to be actually an anxiety-inducing experience like logging on. You know, I've I've been having a, a tough couple months um, recently and mm-hmm. I started to dread going on my phone. Um, a, because... Not only is social media a visual platform, it's a communication platform. So as you 
avoid it. The messages build and build and build and build from people just commenting on your post or wanting to talk to you. And then... And you're supposed to talk to them all. And you're supposed to talk to them all. And then at the same time, (laughs) so you're avoiding the messages. When you're bored, you kind of go doom scrolling and you see all of these people doing all this amazing stuff. And I know from experience that that's not always what's happening. You're putting your best foot forward to say, I've done all this stuff. But even so, even though I know that in my heart, yeah, yeah, it feels real, everything that they're doing. And I just sit there doom scrolling thinking, well, you know, not only am I not doing this stuff, I'm not answering any of the messages. Like there's just failure after failure after failure on my part. I will say this. They've, they've kind of, the mainstream narrative is pushing us towards, well, short form video is the thing now. That's, that's where everybody's yes. at. And the, the mainstream narrative is if you're active on social media, you should be trying to say things in the shortest possible amount of time you can. Because pe- it's catering towards smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter attention spans. And I have noticed actually that although that may that may work to a certain degree with the algorithm, I'm seeing more and more people wanting to to see longer content on even on you know Instagram and TikTok. That that's happening despite this uh, push from from the mainstream narrative and and uh, you know catering to the algorithm. So that's there's an interesting resistance going on well, there i mean but look at the you know look at the pop popularity of podcasts you know like they are long form right this yep. is you know this is not you know we've been here for nearly an hour now we'll be talking and you know like i'm sure there's plenty of people who've switched off by now but um but <laughs> but you know if you're still here then you're still here right so you're you've you've, you've engaged you've you know and i think that was so this is a word you, that we hear all the time in the music engagement it's engagement so marketing isn't now marketing, it's about engagement, right? And engagement is about, you know, like, again, it's like, how do you, what are the measurables of engagement? Like, is it people liking? Is it people commenting? Is it, Or is it people clicking through and listening to your music? You know, and it's like, what, what is, and I think that's, that's self-definable. I think that's, you know, if you, if you're part of your measurables is actually just want people to kind of like my posts and see who I am, that's great. But for us sort of as a, as a label trying to build a, platform and trying to kind of develop an audience that we will actually want to engage with and want to know what we're about for us instagram just felt really reductive i think yeah, that was it, it wasn't it and we yeah. kind of we'd sort of we'd not put anything out for a while like over the summer we decided to take a bit of a break we were a bit burnt out like you said we've been that time so we're just putting stuff out and it feeling like nothing was building and we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago and we we're like do we just want to keep doing the same thing over and over again? And the decision was, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which we, is another thing that I love working with you too, because I feel like we all have a really strong sense of where the other people are mentally. And we are very transparent with each other when we're having a difficult time, which I think, and so, you know, as I, I generally struggle to sort of voice when I don't want to do something anymore or, you know, I'm, I'm a yes person. I'm constantly trying to please. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll just let them down later, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a foolproof strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, one that I've definitely engaged in myself. In. Yeah, but it's, you know, with, with you two, I felt very safe. I think, I, I hope that you both felt very safe yeah, to kind of be like, yeah, yeah. this 100%. isn't working for me as it is. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I don't love or believe in this label. Like, let's find another way to do it. Yeah, yeah. we all we all arrived at this, exactly the same point somehow, which is wonderful. Yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> and, we, and I just remember that kind of initial burst of like, oh, shit, we don't have to. And yeah. I think that was it. It was like realization, you know, like you say, we, and we, you know, and this is no disrespect to people we work with because they've been absolutely brilliant. We've worked with some lovely people who've really tried to support us. But that kind of like that kind of methodology that you're told and there's a and you know certainly with social media social media has always felt for me is like a good way to tell everyone well to kind of almost distract people right you distract people with doing so lots of social media and therefore you know it feels like you've been active but even though you're not and it feels like you're just chasing that kind of like nothingness yeah the reason for that i have figured out is well it's simple these these social media platforms are designed to keep you and your audience on their platform. Yeah. yeah. And they want yeah, yeah. they don't want you to engage elsewhere. They want you to be absolutely devoted to their platform and they own your audience. They own both you and your audience. So, 
the best advice I've had recently in terms of the music industry is to is to really focus on how you can employ the direct to fan model, both, yeah. both as an artist and as a label. The closer your relationship is, you know, on a on a kind of one to one basis, and you know, being in control of that audience. So owning your own mailing list is kind of the that's the ideal. It's old school, but it's still it is yeah, by yeah, far absolutely. the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. But then another option is is if you have a podcast. You can have a Patreon account, and you can which, uh, you can which uh, it's interesting because yeah we have one of those That's so weird you know like just by coincidence we have a <laughs> Patreon account, and if you're if you're like oh I don't really like these guys, I hope they keep doing this, and you know like you know you can check that out anyway. If, sorry, that if was you really want to hear some more you know general American accents on your on your yeah. podcast, yeah, then uh, please one that isn't. I've just got, although I've just got one of those weird generic accents. I don't have really have an accent. Like I think you should try to do the the American accent. Okay, I will. Podcast. Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just do set. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually heard Seth make that noise. No. I think I we, think I've only you, ever heard yeah, you and I. Yeah, yeah, like we've just invented it for him. Um, yeah, I think I, I think we've um, I think we came to a place where we were just like do we just keep doing the kind of what everyone else is doing and like, or not whatever, that's not fair, but like do what the kind of perceived wisdom is, uh, which feels like it's perceived wisdom if it's working for you, which it clearly wasn't. Or do we actually do something that we really want to do? And, you know, let's face it, you've pro- as you've, you, you, the audience have heard, we are not shy about talking about things. We can talk for days. And it was like, well, why do we you know, harness that? Why do we? And it was something we talked about right at the beginning when we started. When we it had, was, yeah. You know, we kind of tricked it out there. So. Well, we didn't want to take on too much at the same time. Yeah. And I think that now we just have realized what our priorities are. And we've all said this whole time, one of the things that I think um, brought us together at the beginning was that ev- but all of us said, I'd rather have 10 loyal fans than 100 passive listeners. Yeah. I think I think that's it, isn't it? It's about a platform where people feel like they are they are listening, and that's not saying you know I don't see the worth in passive listenership on things like you know I think you know playlists are great and I think oh, they're yeah, really important yeah. and all that stuff, but like actually to have a fan base that we that we feel we're kind of cultivating and talking to and we're connected and, to yeah. and yeah, because I don't want that to sound like if you're listening to this passively that you know get off our channel. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. We don't yeah. want you. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you. No, I mean it's absolutely it absolutely has its place, but I think in our priorities when we were setting this up, it was like we want ultimately I feel like this is about connection on some level. We are all very connected to each other um as the directors of this yeah. label, we're connected yeah. to our artists. All of us have individual relationships with our artists. Um and we want the same thing for the audience of of this podcast of our label yeah and we want to find more people who are who are looking to hear these kinds of voices and 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 be part of this active community of let's say resistance <laughs> we know you're out there motherfuckers yeah absolutely we know you're out there so i mean i suppose it's now the question is kind of like so next so we've done our first this is kind of like our first and like so i suppose we throw it out to to you our listeners about kind of what do you want to hear from us what do you want to talk about we one of the things we really want to be clear on is like we're going to talk about uh, uh you know uh, about us as a label and, it, and what i mean by that is like actually the reality of that rather than the kind of the again the kind of glossed version of yeah. hey we're great and everything's brilliant it's really easy it's like actually what we're going to show you is actually it's really fucking hard and you know we we're, we're going to get this wrong more than we're going to get it right um but we also hopefully going to introduce you to some amazing music, which we're going to keep putting out there. Um, and hopefully you're going to be sort of part of that support. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it, it, we would love to hear from you about what you would want to hear in this podcast. Like how, what are, when we talk about connecting with you, what can we do that would make you feel connected to this podcast and to us? Yeah. Said that, and tell us, tell us any of the shit that you've learned that you've, uh, you know, Let's change your perspective on reality. Anything like that. We, yeah, yeah. We, and then we'll yeah. uh, we'll bring it in. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's another thing is that yeah, this is you know we're we're a label, but like I think the point about this label is that we were trying to kind of talk about lots of different things. So we're really happy to talk about kind of whatever you want to throw at us. We're you know we're you know we're 
we're we're listening. I suppose that's what we want to say. Absolutely. Anything that's happening in the industry in the world that you feel like you would want us to talk about. I mean, and I can promise you this, it will not be a black and white discussion. Every single one of us has so many ideas on every single (laughs) issue. Every (laughs) issue. Every issue. Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. We love it. <laughs> so if you, if you do want to get in touch, or if you do want to support our podcast yeah. and our label going forward, uh, you can go to patreon.com/slash subtext. That's S U B T X T. Because mm. fuck vowels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because fuck vowels. Apart from except you. for you, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh yeah. I had uh, an idea actually. Um, yeah. Why don't we? Since we're since we're doing a podcast, why don't we take a second to maybe give a recommendation for a podcast that we like that's out there? Ah, nice. Yeah, very nice. Very Good. nice. Uh, Seth, you want to go first? Blind boy. I Sorry. knew you were yeah, going to yeah. say that. I mean, I'm a little late to that party, but yeah, yeah he's what is he? Seven years in now, but fuck me, he's he's just he's the for me he's the greatest. Yeah. Fair enough. And what's blind blind boy about? Yeah. Oh. I'm just I mean, I know. See, that, that's, yeah. There I am. Yeah. Again. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, he's, he's, uh, so he's both a music artist and, uh, he's quite he's sort of a polymath. He, he, he's written a lot for TV. Mm-hmm. He's written short stories and books and whatnot. Um, he was mainly an, an artist called the rubber bandits, which is like a hip hop, Irish hip hop. He's from Ireland. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Let me start from the beginning. <laughs> um, he's Irish. He's from Limerick. He's got a great accent. It's good crack. Good crack. Uh, but he deals with a lot of interesting stuff. He, so he, he's, he's, he does his hot takes, you know, boiling hot take. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he's got, he talks about a whole wide range of things. He is also autistic. So he, again, like, you know, advocates for neurodivergence. And um, yeah, he's, he deals a lot with mental health issues. So he, he's also trained in psychology. He has, mm-hmm. he has a pretty solid background. So it's a good combination of, of humor and, and, how to deal with mental health and and i relate to him very well because he's he, because of the music side of things we have very very similar tastes in music and and the, the kind of stuff that he does so anyway yeah, yeah. cool that's the blind boy podcast. the blind boy podcast excellent how about you you know um i've just i'm just nearing the end of the retrievals um oh, okay. in the new york times uh and that one is about the uh yale fertility clinic scandal that happened in 2020 um, where women were going in for egg retrievals for their IVF, um, for their IVF uh, treatments. Which, if you don't know about egg retrievals, it is an incredibly painful procedure. Um, and they're uh, so they're, you're given fentanyl to mm-hmm. to kind of be groggy throughout the whole procedure. Yes. One of the nurses, and this isn't about the. Whole, I'm not giving away the whole podcast. I promise. Yeah. One of the nurses had been stealing the fentanyl and swapping it out with saline, so. Huck. The women could feel everything throughout the retrieval, and what made it what made it part of the scandal was that they were routinely ignored and told that it wasn't that bad, even by Yale. Whoa. And so it kind of gets into the gender health gap, and it will make you angry in the best way. <laughs> but I definitely say that was a because it's so recent, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that podcast yeah. has blown my mind. Uh, mine is, oh, I listen to quite a few. Um, so, I, yeah, the one that I really loved recently that isn't sports related is uh, I listen to uh, called Dead Eyes. And it's about, <laughs> so it's about an actor. He And he's in, he's, he's quite, you know, he's, he's in quite a few things. He's in uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. As, and, uh, he's, you know, he appears and you're like, oh, it's him. Um, but he was cast uh he was cast in uh, a tiny speaking role in the fourth episode of Band of Brothers, which was a, right. a mini TV series that came out in uh, 2001. Um, and then he, just before he started filming, he was called up by his agent going, you need to go go to the studios, uh, which has been filmed in the UK, because Tom Hanks is in your tape and he thinks you have dead eyes. Uh, and he di- and he didn't and he ended up not getting the role and and been replaced and he basically an entire journey about exploring about kind of identity and about kind of uh, 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 just sort of like performance and you know and it's beautiful and it's funny and it re- and it's not anti far from anti Tom Hanks in fact and you know it's really you know uh, and there's some just brilliant brilliant funny interviews and it's really you know just some, a really original idea 
which is, and also if you're a Leeds United fan, the Square Ball podcast, which is my, like, I just love it. Um, I'm a huge Leeds United fan because I'm from Leeds. And we're no in Leeds. way. <laughs> this is it. And uh, it's brilliant and um, it's fan run and it's just, it's funny and it's clever and it's open and it's supportive and it's just great. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I just freaking love it. Like, uh, and, and yeah, and makes the horror of supporting Leeds United, actually it's been pretty good this season, but last two seasons have been awful, like bearable because you feel you're not alone. <laughs> oh, oh, that just broke my heart a lot. Yeah, that really, it just, oh God, it was desolate. Um, yeah. So there we go. Well, thanks. Uh, should we chat? I think probably this feels like a good place to, to wrap it up. We yeah. right? You're all looking at me. Yes, am I, am tell I, us. Am I going <laughs> to wrap it up now? Yeah, yeah, you're the wrap it up, man. You know, you're, you're the one who's got 20, you've got 20 minutes more experience than we have. Yeah. <laughs> How did I wrap it up? I think I, I just uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much for spending your time with us. Uh, we will be back with another. If you've listened this far, you are fucking amazing. Yeah, right, we yeah. love you. Creeper. And uh, until next time, yeah. dig deep and shout loud. Yeah. And fuck social media. And yeah. fuck social media. <laughs> <laughs>